Welcome to our Accelerating the Future uh, Siemens Canada podcast. My name's Amy Giesberger, and I am the Sustainability Manager for Siemens Canada. So that means I'm responsible for driving sustainability initiatives and our net zero ambitions across the country. Today, I am joined by Jeff Newman. Welcome, Jeff. Can you give us a brief introduction of yourself? Thanks, Amy. Good to see you. Jeff Newman, I'm the general manager for the Toronto branch within Siemens Smart Infrastructure in Canada. So what that means is I, me and my team manage a lot of customers in the greater Toronto area for their building automation, fire security, and energy management as well. So great to be here, Amy. Excited to chat with you today, Jeff, about the popular topic of decarbonization and smart buildings. So before we get into that, I just wanted to say a few things from my side as a sustainability manager. The date that many companies have set for themselves to be net zero, that date is really inching closer and closer. The good news is that we have the solutions. They just need to be scaled and we need to scale them at the speed required. And personally, these solutions and learning what Siemens is capable of really keeps me optimistic in my role. And that's not always easy when we look at the news headlines. So being surrounded by these solutions and being a part of a team that's implementing these solutions with different customers is really what I love about my role. And that's why I wanted to chat with you today to share with others who are practicing sustainability and looking to reduce their greenhouse gas emissions. So today we're talking about buildings What I was surprised to learn is that a good chunk of our global emissions actually come from buildings. And a lot of sources say that's around 40%, which is quite a bit. They present such a big opportunity for fighting emissions. Can you explain to us what is a smart building? I'm hearing this term a lot, and I want to know what does it actually mean? Yeah, it's a term that's really well known now, and it's been Probably for the last five to six years, I've heard it become more and more commonly used in customer meetings, in specifications for new buildings, etc. But really, in essence, what a smart building is, is really connecting the real world to the digital world. So we're connecting to the physical assets. So when I say physical assets, you know, the boilers, the lighting fixtures, the air conditioning units, the doors, the security cameras connecting to them, then extracting that data, and then being able to analyze that data through you know, software and platforms. And then that enables us to then act on that information. So quicker to fix problems, quicker to see where a certain part of that building is using too much energy. So really, you know, that's what the smart building is, is having greater integration with different technologies and really becoming connected to the digital world. Okay, so how can that help us address the massive challenge that decarbonization presents to us? You mentioned at the beginning, decarbonization is a big, scary word and a headache for many customers and many organizations. But really, we've come a long way already. We know where we need to get to. The challenges have been set and a lot of organizations have made that commitment to be carbon neutral. For an example... By extracting that data now, we can see exactly how much that building is consuming in real time, where the inefficiencies are within that building. And then again, it enables the building operators 
the facility managers to then quickly go and fix that and get that problem resolved so it's no longer using energy unnecessarily. And what we're seeing more and more now is software platforms that enables clients to manage multiple buildings in the cloud, which enables them again to really start to spot any inefficiencies that's happening. And then it expands way beyond decarbonization. They can start to look at space utilization and much more benefits around it. So really decarbonization will not happen without digitalization. You briefly mentioned the other benefits of smart buildings, like better air quality. Can you expand a little bit on that? This is really where it becomes really fascinating and really quite exciting because where we're really seeing this happening is in smart hospitals. We're seeing the architects, the consultants and the technology companies starting to really define how do we increase or improve the quality of the experience, whether you're a patient, a visitor or you work in that hospital. So, for example, if you're visiting you know, a loved one and we're in the hospital, I don't know about you, it's quite a scary place to go there. Big buildings, where do you go? How do you find parking spaces, etc.? So now by simply using an app on your cell phone, you can then find your way through wayfinding, so a digital map on your phone will tell you exactly where there's free parking, free parking spaces, what's the quickest way to get to that particular area of the hospital, and it will actually navigate you in real time to where your loved one, family member is, etc. And also, you know, it tells you where there's the shops, the restaurants as well within that. So that makes it a lot more seamless and takes some of the anxiety away from the visitor and then the patient as well. You know, again, through creating this smart hospital, we're able to control the room much more. So instead of the patient needing to get out, if they want to close a blind, they can literally give a voice command and the blind will close or change how bright the lights are. And that really has a lot of benefits, not only just making it comfortable, but less chances of you know people falling and slipping as they get out of bed, etc. So again, these are some of the real co-benefits, if you like, additional benefits other than really just reducing carbon emissions. And the air quality one's an interesting one in the schools. So we're seeing now a lot of higher education, learning environments are really starting to monitor the air quality. So they can start to say, well, you know, students learn better. The results, the productivity of students are better when the air quality is X. So again, by monitoring it in real time, they can then adjust and make sure that condition, that environment is in the best condition to learn and become productive. Interesting. So what if I'm an occupant of an office building and I'm going into work and We've got a smart building, but the temperature is set to low because we're trying to reduce greenhouse gases and and, and use of, of heating. How can I interact with that smart building so that I'm comfortable in the space? Well, thankfully, I mean, the days are gone when we tell you just to put a sweater on and live with it. What's great, again, is through new technology within that smart building is the cell phone. Again, you can turn up, you can book what desk you want to work from within that office space. And it could be to be near certain colleagues, so you can, you're collaborating on a project, you knew where they're going to be, and you can book a space. Now, in terms of the heating and the cooling and lighting, again, through this app, you can say, I'm feeling too cold. You can actually send a request from the app on your cell phone to say, I want to increase the temperature, and it will adjust the temperature in that particular area where you're located 
based on your needs and so forth with the lighting and the blinds as well. So it becomes very personalized control. Once you leave that space, the app knows you've left the building and then it will adjust the temperatures back down to ensure that we're not continually to using too much energy. Great. I like that. I think it's important to make sure that people in the building can interact with the building, especially as we're trying to bring people back to the office, right? I also really like the co-benefits that you mentioned. And I think for me as a sustainability manager, that makes it an easier sell to make investments in this type of technology. I know one of the things that I'm looking at is there's some urgency around decarbonization and there's often a price tag involved, obviously, and sometimes that's a large price tag. So we need to make sure that we're making the right financial decisions, that the projects are going to get a return on investment, maybe not so much in sense of financials, but greenhouse gas reduction. So my question is, will building smart buildings really deliver that at the speed required? Yeah, we we can do that today. Again, through the analytic platforms, you can quickly see what your intervention is doing to the energy consumption. So if you install a piece of technology that's going to reduce the energy, you can spot it straight away from that. And it can also report then what the amount of carbon that's been saved obviously the dollars and cents as well from that. Yeah, for example, a great project recently we completed was we implemented some artificial intelligence into their data centers, which really started to monitor the heating and the, the hot spots, so to speak, where there was too much heating or too not enough cooling happening within the server rooms. And what was fascinating through this is the artificial intelligence was able to really adjust very quickly where that inefficiency was. And the customer in real time could see straight away how their energy um, use was going down. So great win where, you know, a smart piece of technology really helped that organization move along on their decarbonization journey. Is there any behavioral changes required to make sure that this technology and the way that occupants are interacting with the building makes it more efficient? Yeah, there is. You know, you're much more experienced than I am in sustainability. But from day one, it's always the behavioral changes on how a building is used by its occupants will have a big impact on how much energy is being used. And the same thing goes with embracing new technology. I think we've got to really start to have an open mind and really strive to adopt this technology as well. Don't be afraid of it. I see that sometimes there's some resilience to the new technology oh is it going to take my job is it going to you know make it harder i don't understand it and again i understand that's a big unknown and it can be frightening but really it's simple it's very easy you're you actually have more control ironically because you can sit back you're not firefighting as a facility manager for example the amount of things that are going breaking down or complaints etc this technology takes away a lot of the complexity and enables you to really spend time doing the right things and start to spend the thinking time on how you're going to get to that net zero and improve that environment. So for the behavioral changes, yeah, embrace the technology, work with partners. You know, you're not going to be able to deliver it by yourself. So we really encourage, you know, to create an ecosystem of people you can call on and discuss and share and, you know, receive good feedback and information as well. So Be open-minded and um, you'll really succeed in that digital transformation. 
Are there any lessons learned that surprised you in implementing smart buildings? Were there any instances where customers were surprised with the benefits? There's a couple of things. One of the biggest surprises I've seen and experienced is how the IT department is now getting involved with the facilities department. Before the facilities department were doing their day-to-day, you know, keeping the lights on, keeping the building a nice nice temperature, everybody was happy. But now as there's more of the smart technology coming in, there's more reliance on you know the network and the IT infrastructure. So what's been a big eye-opener for me and many of our customers is how the IT department has to be in the same room as the facilities department as they embrace this digital transformation. So again, that's a big, big surprise. In terms of some of the technology, I think what's the real eye-opener is when the customers actually see it. When companies are trying to tell their sustainability story, I imagine that would make it a little bit easier as well. You can bring them into a building and really show them real time how the building works. You can show them your iPad and how the building's performing. So from a sustainability perspective, I think I think that's really interesting. One of the biggest challenges I've seen for sustainability managers, they haven't really pushed the financial benefits. It makes sense from a financial point of view. You're using less energy, you're spending less dollars. And, you know, once building that very strong business case, suddenly you capture your CFO interest, the CEO from the sustainability point of view. So it's a real win-win situation when that business case is presented. Like you said, real data Proving it in real time just adds to that benefit. When a lot of sustainability folks think about decarbonization, they often think of like a solar panel on a building or a, or a windmill. We don't often think about energy efficiency. It's not as like marketable. It's not as like sexy, if you want to put it that way. But when you have this sort of technology and you can show in real time how much you're able to save, I think that makes it a lot more exciting. Oh, it does, 100%. Let's be honest, energy efficiency is probably one of the first things that you should be doing. And it is because it's quick to implement. It doesn't disrupt your business much. And the payback is really, really quick. You know, for example, in our our own office, we installed this really smart sensor that reduced the amount of time the lights needed to be on. It used outdoor sensors to see how much daylight was coming in and adjusted the lighting inside the the meeting rooms in the building and our ceo was blown away when he saw there was a 30 percent reduction in electricity spent you know and that was a simple energy efficiency measure it was implemented over i think a weekend so a week in total that we got it all set up and it started saving energy straight away and it was you know to see that reaction from our ceo wow this is fantastic And if we think of the broader sustainability challenge and if we look at the grid, whether it be in Ontario where we are or elsewhere, the less you're using, the less pressure you're putting on the grid and the less likely they'll have to turn to those peak plants like gas plants, right? So it also helps in that sense as well. Oh, it does. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. When I meet with a lot of customers, it's just common sense. We do it in our own house, you know. I'm always turning the lights off after my kids leave. If for some reason they love to leave the lights on, I'm always turning them off, yeah, because it makes common sense why I have that light on. So the same thing happens within our business, you know. Let's use less. It's going to free up money to spend on some of those, like you said, the sexier 
decarbonization technologies, solar and wind, etc. So, yeah, energy efficiency is the primary thing to start with. Okay, so any last advice that you would leave with the audience? What would you tell a sustainability manager or an energy manager that's looking to reduce their emissions in a cost-effective way? Yeah, Amy, look, I think let's keep it simple, you know. Have a plan, stick to it. And really where I've seen it succeed the most is when you've really engaged all of your stakeholders, colleagues, departments, whatever it may be, so your whole organization understands exactly where you're going on the sustainability journey and how you're going to do it so that's absolutely critical and then the next one is really embrace the technology in this new digital world you're not going to be able to achieve it without it and it's going to make your life a lot easier and i really do mean that i've seen it happen when customers have really embraced that technology they've implemented it and it's such a sigh of relief because they can really focus on not the low-hanging fruit, as we always say. They, you know, that's the done and dusted. They can really focus on those aspirational goals that they need to get to for that net zero. And I think just finally, you know, what's really changing in the world is you can't do it by yourself. You need to have that ecosystem of partners, and and that's really going to need to change the way you engage with technology companies and experts within that sustainability world and. Well, that really means you're not on your own. You know, there's people out there and organizations that can help share advice and kind of guide you on that, that road map that you're on that journey. That's what I'd leave for people. And, um, you know, good luck with it. And, and we'll, we'll definitely all get there together. That's for sure. Well, thank you, Jeff. Thank you for your time. It was great hearing from you and learning more about smart buildings. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Please follow the podcast for upcoming episodes. And if you'd like to learn more about Siemens, please check out Siemens.ca and our sustainability webpage.